The Hamlet Podcast, episode 109. Hello and welcome to this exploration of Shakespeare's Hamlet with me, your host, Connor Hanrity. We left off last week as things reached something of a breaking point as Hamlet tore strips off his mother for her o'er-hasty new marriage and her awful choice in Claudius. He's pulled no punches, describing her marriage and her sex life in the seediest of terms, before accusing his uncle, her husband, with a litany of crimes. Gertrude is shouting, no more, as Hamlet continues his tirade against Claudius, calling him now a king of shreds and patches. This line, made rather more famous due to its quotation in a song by Gilbert and Sullivan, might often get lost in the drama of what's about to happen. But here again, Hamlet is reducing Claudius's status in comparison with the previous king. Claudius is a leader made up of rags and leftovers, perhaps even stolen things, a low-rent imposter instead of a real king. Right on cue, when by now we really aren't expecting it, the ghost of Hamlet's father reappears. Hamlet interrupts himself in the middle of a line when he sees the ghost, and his attention switches immediately to it. Save me and hover o'er me with your wings, you heavenly guards. What would your gracious figure? Hamlet prays to the angels, the heavenly guards, for protection, that they might hover over him with their wings and save him. It is a bit curious that he prays for protection even now. After all, we already know who the ghost is, and it has proven itself an honest ghost. In performance, however, this exclamation is very useful, since it focuses our attention on the appearance of the ghost. This scene is more intimate and less public than the earlier ones on the battlements or in the castle lobby, and a good production can make us assume that Gertrude and Hamlet are not to be disturbed. Hamlet's surprise here mirrors our own. And then he asks his father, what would your gracious figure? What do you want? What has brought you back? Another reason for the slight padding of Hamlet's prayer to the angels is to give us a chance to look at Gertrude. She cries out, alas, he's mad because she isn't seeing anything. Hamlet can see the ghost, but Gertrude cannot. As discussed back in Act 1, ghosts, and sometimes playwrights, could determine who saw them and who couldn't, and here Hamlet Sr. seems to prevent Gertrude from seeing him. As in the banquet scene in Macbeth, wherein Banquo haunts Macbeth alone, there's a very clear tension on stage between someone seeing and talking to a ghost, and someone who perhaps rightly thinks he's going mad. Hamlet continues addressing his father. Do you not come your tardy son to chide, that, lapsed in time and passion, let's go by the important acting of your dread command? Oh, say! He's wondering why his father has reappeared. Has he come to chide his tardy son since he has yet to do anything? Hamlet feels he has lapsed in time and passion. He's been stuck wallowing in his thoughts and passions, and has allowed some significant time to elapse since the ghost last appeared to exhort him to revenge. In all his time and passion, he has let go by the important acting of his father's dread command. Hamlet is asking and answering here, and it's no harm dramatically, since it allows Gertrude to understand that he has seen this vision before. And indeed, she can learn hereby that this ghost, whether real or in her mad son's mind, is giving him instructions. The ghost now speaks and says, Do not forget. 
this visitation is but to whet thy almost blunted purpose. But look, amazement on thy mother sits. Oh, step between her and her fighting soul. Conceit in weakest body's strongest works. Speak to her, Hamlet. In Act 1, the last thing the ghost says before he leaves is, Remember me. Now, the first thing he says is, Do not forget. His son has been philosophising and worrying for the last two acts, and has very clearly lost the name of action. So he has returned. This visitation has a very clear aim, to whet Hamlet's almost blunted purpose. The ghost is suggesting that the blade of Hamlet's determination to revenge his father's murder is becoming dull. He's here to sharpen it. Almost sweetly, the ghost notices his wife, and the state of shock or panic or dismay that she's in. But look, he says, amazement on your mother sits. Handled well, this portion of the scene can be very moving. Hamlet in distress, Gertrude horrified that he seems to be talking to thin air, and the ghost seeing his beloved queen, but unseen by her. He tells his son to step between her and her fighting soul. He should intervene and help her deal with this torment she's going through. He explains that the stress she's under, Hamlet's harangues and perhaps romantically her well-hidden grief, could overwhelm her. No wonder he's not letting her see him in his ghostly form. Conceit in weakest body's strongest works. He's saying she's already liable to be overcome. She surely doesn't need any more shocks. So he cancels Hamlet to speak to her. And so the prince asks, rather awkwardly, How is it with you, lady? Gertrude replies at length. In fact, this is the longest speech she has in the whole play. She's been batting away Hamlet's attacks throughout this scene, and now finally she can speak uninterrupted. She answers Hamlet's awkward question with, Alas, how is it with you, that you do bend your eye on vacancy, and with the incorporal air do hold discourse? Forth at your eyes your spirits wildly peep, and, as the sleeping soldiers in the alarm, your bedded hair, like life in excrement, starts up and stands on end. O oh, gentle son, upon the heat and flame of thy distemper sprinkle cool patience. Whereon do you look? There's a genuine maternal care here. She understandably thinks her son is falling apart, as he seems to bend his eye on vacancy and focus on things when just as clearly to her eyes there is nothing there. She wonders why is he holding discourse or talking to the incorporeal air, air that has no bodies in it. Hamlet is at his most intense in this scene anyway, and Gertrude gives us a worrying description of his appearance. His spirits forth at his eyes wildly peep. This is a description of a supposed symptom of extreme emotion or distress, when our spirits within us would actually bubble up to the surface and start to become visible. To Gertrude, Hamlet's eyes are bulging so much that she feels like she's seeing his spirits peeping wildly from them. Not only that, his hair is standing on end. As the sleeping soldiers in the alarm, your bedded hair, like life in excrements, starts up and stands on end. Excrement originally meant something that grew out of something else. In contemporary English, excrement has a very specific meaning, so much so that this line is often cut as a result. It's an unpleasant image that can become very distracting within Gertrude's speech. 
What Gertrude means is that Hamlet's hair is standing on end, rather like sleeping soldiers that bolt out of bed when they hear an alarm, or like ferns or sea anemones or any kinds of organism that grow out of places and other things and extend sort of curious tendrils. She's saying that Hamlet looks insane. Bloodshot eyes, wild hair, the works. Eagerly trying to get him to calm down, she speaks very tenderly to him. Oh, gentle son, upon the heat and flame of thy distemper, sprinkle cool patience. Whereon do you look? Likening his madness or his passion or distemper to a burning flame and its heat, she tries to suggest that he sprinkle cool patience on it. It's surely the most poetic way that any mother has ever told her son to calm down. No prizes for guessing that things won't exactly calm down any time soon, but we will save Hamlet's response and the continuation of the scene for the next episode. Until then, be sure to check out the website for any episodes you may have missed, for show notes that accompany this and every episode, and for an ever-growing index of just about everything we've discussed on the podcast. All that and more is available at thehamletpodcast.com. I'll speak to you next time.